say we just get lost Leave this one horse town like two rebels without a cause I've got people in Boston, ain't your daddy still in Des Moines We can pack up tomorrow, tonight let's flip a Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Half-Assed Homesteading Podcast brought to you by the Swamp Fox Podcasting Network. It's kind of a mouthful. Yeah, Swamp Fox <laughs> Podcasting Network is hard to say. <laughs> but tonight I'm super, super excited because we have a guest, the first guest we've ever had on the Half-Assed Homesteading Podcast. And his name is Ian Wilcox. Welcome. Thank you very much. Ian is a local farmer. You might know him from the Kershaw County Farmer's Market. If anybody has gone to that, check him out. Um, but you raise beef, yep. cattle, yes, and pigs. Yes. And have various amounts of chickens, yes. <laughs> numerous chickens. Yeah. Um, basically, you put us to shame. <laughs> Well, I'm a few years ahead of you. Not half-assed at You all. give us the true half-assed title compared to your actually yeah. legitimate farm. I was there. I started. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess let's start at the beginning. All right. And how did you start out in, in this farm business? What drew you to it? How did it happen? So we first came to Camden in 2009. Because we needed land. We had horses. And uh, while I was still, um, you know, I was still in cigar sales and I was trying to figure out what else I could do. And when I was leaving that, then, uh, you know, we had the land and we could do something. I had an option to buy a bull and a heifer and a steer from a friend of mine. And, uh, What's the difference? I'm sorry to interrupt. What's the difference between a bull and a steer? A steer has no reproductive organs. <clears throat> except they have organs. For the penis. The pee-pee, but no. They penis. have no testicles. Gotcha. They have okay. been removed. Gotcha. Okay. Either with banding, which will cut off blood supply, right. and they and will they die and they fall off. off or yeah. um, surgically, you cut open. Which do you, which do you think is better? Uh, it depends on the age. Yeah. That is like a debate. I've so I used to work at Tractor cruel. Supply. Yeah. I know there's people on the side that say that banding I is. That I had met you for Yeah. That, that I used to work at Tractor yeah. Supply when I first moved here to South yeah. Carolina um, many moons ago. I actually loved working there. It was, it was a good job. But, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that's like a debate. Some people yeah. are think banding is totally fine. Some yeah. people say it's cruel. Well, some. The banding is actually labeled as a more humane form of castration mm -hmm. for bulls and it is definitely more hands-off you don't have to inherently you don't have to go in there and right. cut the scrotum and, and pull the testicles out but with banding you have to make sure you give them a tetanus shot oh okay um because they're at higher risk for tetanus and you know so you go ahead and you give them their their first booster 
uh, especially if you have other cattle around, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you give them their their vaccines. So, so you think if they're young enough, banding is fine. Oh yeah, banding is fine. <laughs> you, you, once they get a little bit too old, banding becomes much more difficult, predominantly because the bands aren't big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah. there are different types of masculators that you can get that have God adjustable dang. bands. What a horrible name. That's that, a word. <laughs> well, that's what it is. You know? <laughs> and um, so there's there's one that it's um, a single line strap instead of a rubber band. And you would put it over the scrotum and it goes onto a crank with um, a, a choke tie. And as you're you know cranking it up, it just tightens it up mm-hmm. and pulls all the slack out. And then you're done. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, a large band bander, which can do older bull calves. But right. really, once you get to a certain age, it's sometimes it gets to an unsafe time for banding. You want to surgically remove. That makes remove. sense. Yeah. So, but you can, you can surgically remove when they're younger as well. It, you know, it just depends on your preference. Hmm. So okay. I try to do within the first week. Sheep herders prefer to bite them off. Oh. Well, so you cut and then cut and bite. Yeah, they said it's the most humane. Yeah, you it's, pull them right this, out. it's the most anesthetic for the animal. Hmm? Yeah, and I've yeah, done both ways, and you know, it just uh, it depends. It really, it for a lot of cattlemen, it's it's personal preference on whether they're going to use a scalpel or a knife, or if they're going to. Kate's use here a band. with the look of. I'm like, okay. You've got no, for real. That, You've it's... bitten? <laughs> Sorry. I have not used my mouth. That is genuinely what I was wondering. So I <laughs> have. You, you totally read my face and read my mind. Off? That's bullshit. <laughs> you Come call yourself when... a farmer. <laughs> Come back when you've bitten some testicles off a bull. Yeah. <laughs> I generally don't like to have balls in my mouth. So, <laughs> you know, unless they're meatballs and yeah. covered in sauce. Swedish. Um, but anyway, the. Uh, so, yeah, it's. But. Baseline, you have bulls and, an and heifers that are born. And then your heifers, if they're viable to be bred, once they are bred, they become cows. And if oh. you take your bulls... Is that, so that's the difference yes. between a heifer and a cow. So same thing with pigs. You have boars and you have gilts. Baby, we're learning so much already. <laughs> yeah. Then your gilt, once she is bred becomes a sow. So we have gilts. I you did have not gilts. know oh. that about yeah. the pigs. Of course, yeah. I've heard with cows, the heifer and the, and yeah. the cow so and all that. Once I did you not know castrate a boar, they are referred to as barrows. Yeah, I did know that. I, I didn't um, know any of the pig terminology. If you castrate a breeding boar, that is referred to as a stag. Um, oh. Stag boar or stag pig. Typically, that doesn't happen in general terms. Some people do do that, but um, oh, there's higher risk at castrating fully grown boars. Um, yeah, they're like dangerous. Me. Well, no, just uh, physically, you know, you can do it. It's fine. Um, but you have to be more careful. Hmm. Um, some pig growers out there follow the moon chart from the Farmer's Almanac to make sure that. The, oh, that's hardcore. Yeah, it's really serious. And they swear by it that if uh, depending on the position of the moon depends on how bad the pig will bleed when you when you cut them out because you can't wow. band a pig. You have to castrate. It sounds like witchcraft. Apparently it works. But, I mean, I'm not going to argue with them if that's what yeah. they've, they've been I mean, doing. Several hundred years of history. Yeah, go yeah. for it, man. I, um, I'd just be like, oh, well, these piglets need to be castrated and then yeah. I grab them all and I <clears throat> just I, I mark them and uh, have my blue coat and 
Oh, say, just, how do you do it? Yeah, so you just uh, grab their, their feet and you pick them over and two small cuts. You want them low so everything drains nice and easily and pop the testicles out. I do one quick squirt of blue coat and mark their back with blue coat and let them go. They're fine. Fast. Yeah, it's very fast. There's usually no bleeding. It's very, very quick. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I'm about to get a vasectomy in like the next six months. and um, Yeah. There could be some bleeding there. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on who your urologist is. I don't know if they'll use blue coat, but. <laughs> oh, like, that sounds a little rough, man. Yeah. Um, Probably my older brother. Not. My bro- older brother married into a pig, pig farming in business. Yeah. Um, and I used to go work summers up there, but I was never participated in um, the, do they call it gelding or new, castrating? castrating? Gelding is for horses. Horses only, yeah. right? So From a colt to a gelding, and then the colt becomes a stallion. If they're left intact to breeding age, okay. a colt becomes a stallion. I and never took part. I, yeah, my job becomes, was to like. Uh, yeah, they both fall, and then a filly becomes a mare. <sighs> so. Yeah. My job was to run out and grab the piglets. Yeah. Let me grab them and you do your thing. And um, yeah. well, my brother would me. distract the sow. Yeah. And she would run to go get him. Yeah. And then I ran into the field and grabbed the piglets out and oh, yeah. tried to get over the fence before she. It's really helpful me. to have to have help. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, so we had six calves born this last week. And wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, two bull calves. And for I would love heifers. to see that. I'd love to have you guys out. That'd too. be it's, so it's awesome. Really cool. Can we help castrate some pigs? Um, well, I, since I dissolved the breeding program, <laughs> oh, that's right. I, yeah. I, I don't have any. Yeah, I'm sorry. We breeding. totally got off track, but you so. you came to Camden. <laughs> and anyway, we just started talking about balls, <laughs> circling back. You know, oh, reproductive organs and whatnot. So, um, what is it like when they have sex? Do they breed? You're so I'm weird. just teasing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I'm kidding. Yeah, when a mommy pig and a daddy pig love each other very much. <laughs> what about artificial insemination? Is oh, that's a whole other thing we can get into too. Yeah, yeah as well. Do you do with that with pigs? On your it's pretty wild, right? They got like the metal. Well, it, sound it's and you take the semen. And you... Oh, well, that's for collecting. Yeah, and then you just have a tube and you slide it, you know, all the way until you hit the cervix and you push the push semen the, in, yeah, and that's it. So. But anyway, Fun so <laughs> how much whiskey do you have before you do that? Um, you try not to have any, so you don't mess it up. <laughs> Is it? Um, e- I would imagine it's probably pretty easy to mess to it mess up. it up. No, not necessarily. Uh-huh. I mean, so the, uh, the vaginal canal is pretty obvious. First, you don't have to worry about it going down the urethra. I don't know. Poop so, shoot. Well, if you go into the anus, you're definitely not doing anything right. And you're gonna so, know. <laughs> I sure hope so. My goodness, but. Anyway, so, so we came to Camden. So we came to Camden, and we started with those three, and um, that was a, a pure Hereford bull, and that was an Angus Holstein heifer. That was my my first, you know, heifer, first cow, and then Jersey Cross steer, and then I had uh, I worked a deal where I traded a um, my first tractor, which was an old uh, Ford eight N. To it happened to be the same guy, and he traded me four pigs and twelve chickens, and then that one steer. So I bought the awesome. the heifer and the bull outright, and then I traded the tractor. You know what for I all the rest love about this is you really did start out half assed, just like we yeah, did. absolutely. We have traded lumber for blueberry jelly that I made, blueberry jam that yeah, I made. Yes, absolutely. We've, we've done so much bartering. 
pool. Like we had a guy work on our pool for blueberry jam. I freaking <laughs> love yeah. hearing that it was yeah. that kind yeah. of stuff because it so, actually is <laughs> basically yeah. how so that we're was starting the beginning. out. Yeah, so I, I raised awesome. those pigs. Those are all um, barrows. Mm-hmm. They were all castrated male pigs. And I, I was raising those for my mom's wedding. She was getting remarried. And so that was my first processing. You had no experience. Had no experience that. at wow. that point. I had only had experience like YouTube videos yeah, that's and some about to beef ask. and, you know, emu and chickens. That was pretty much my entire background. Emu are pretty intense, though. Yeah, that's an interesting bird. Yeah. The farmer I worked for, he went through a, an emu phase. So yeah. that was fun. Um but yeah, that was that was it. So some was YouTube, some was just reading, um, you know, blogs. I was like, what right. is that thing? You know, <laughs> reading, reading websites. from experienced people. Yeah. yeah, just reading what other people were doing, reading what other inexperienced people like myself were mm-hmm. getting into. And um, those first ones, those were just um, Yorkshire, Hampshire crosses. They're called blue butts. Uh, so that was that was my first round of pork and. Uh, I had a relatively small pen off on the side of one of my horse pastures and, you know, I just fed them horse feed and I was going around and I found like uh, damaged horse feed from some of the feed suppliers mm-hmm. in town. And that's, I would just, Buy I learned about soaking in water and letting it ferment. So I was just feeding them gobs of that. And it, I mean, that was so good. That first hmm. round was just fantastic. And uh, then I was like, well, maybe I'll just buy some more feeders. And I had an opportunity uh, to buy a breeding trio. It was a, um, a full-blooded uh, Duroc boar and then two Duroc Yorkshire sows. And they were both bred about to, to Pharaoh. And um, it just it went from there. So I went from three pigs and then all of a sudden I had 35 pigs. <laughs> and, and uh, you know. It just, it, it kind of grew from there. So as, uh, you know, I went with those three cows and then the, the steer wound up getting sick and dying. And I was trying to do the hundred percent, you know, no meds, no this, no that. And believing that was the exact way you had to do it, which I have now learned is ridiculous. Yeah, if you have a sick animal, <laughs> you need to treat your sick animal. Mm, That's yeah. what got her. What was it? I he just... He he got some kind of infection, and it was early enough where it was so early that I didn't know yeah. what it was. I I had no large animal vet. I didn't know who to call. The only large animal vets I had were South Korean equine for my. When horses. you say early, mm-hmm. you mean early in your experience. Early in my experience. <clears throat> yeah. So, so no. that was it. Who's the vet we use? So we use Camden Veterinary Camden. Hospital. Yeah. Matt. Doctor Jenneret. He's yeah. fantastic. He is awesome. Matt is and I know he does a, a lot of large. Vet. Yeah, he um, is my everything too. vet. He's so Dude, fantastic. He does from like sun up to sundown yeah. and beyond. When he's we had <laughs> when we had a kitten that come when to I was on my way here, uh-huh. he was on his way to my house uh-huh. to freeze sarcoids off of my wife's horse. He's so, incredible. Yeah, we had a kitten who passed away because awesome. it turned out he had a disease that he yeah. was born with, and mm-hmm. I kid you not, he came, we were able to go over there with him to the that hospital mm-hmm. it was nine at night and Sunday. he was just pulling in yeah. from being out from in the field somewhere yeah up to his knees like i mean was, and yeah. he was 
totally there for we're us. Like, All right, cool. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, he's he's absolutely. And incredible. he pulled like not only that like he pulled out his book. He's like. This is really he's like, something here's he's what like, I have found out so far. Like, I'm still going to research it more. Yeah. And we were like, it's, Just a, to know. it's, it's good. But yeah. he was like, but I'm happy Amazing. to do it. If y'all want more answers. Yeah. And, yeah. Then we got a condolence card in the mail. Yeah. They, yeah. With a they're the best. Paw print that you can plant. With, and it'll plant, uh, grow and flowers. flowers. Yeah. yeah. No, he's oh, an excellent sweet. veterinarian. I'll give him all my money to yeah. treat my animals. He's, he's yeah. very good. So. Um, that's Lou, the, the yeah. famous Lou from. Yeah, yeah. I'm still very sad about it. Anyway, yeah, that's cool. Know, off that, so that was that was before all that, and you know, I I'm sure it was something very preventable. I just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do about it at the time, mm-hmm. and then I started buying just random cows, anything that I could find inexpensive, and I bought like another twelve, and um, that was kind of how I started going into Herefords and. Yeah. And did you buy them with the intention of starting a meat business, or were you just no? I was actually to wanting to cattle. start a uh, cow calf operation. Oh, I was just okay. trying to get it in as cheaply as I could because mm-hmm. this was right before the price bubble burst. So I was buying at the absolute worst time, mm-hmm. where right. you know prices were just nuts. Hmm. Yeah, prices are pretty good right now, though. Huh? They're okay. I well, I took um, fifteen to the sale this year, this week. So we'll see. Um, I'll tell you what. So we we put a down payment on half a cow with you. That's right. Yeah. And I cannot wait to get that meat because I went grocery shopping just a few days ago and it was like the meat is gone. Yeah. It it just the second it's on the shelves, it's gone. Which is crazy because there's more supply on hoof (sighs) out there than there has been in recent years. Do you think it's they just can't they're not opening the plants for processing? I think so it's the more animals are living longer. And, yeah, you know, it, there could be other you supply know, and demand, maybe? other supply issues, controlling prices you know, and stuff, distribution issues. There's a lot of speculation. It really, honestly, it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know cattlemen's or it's IPG, or it's one of the other larger, you know, growing groups for beef specifically. Yeah. Um, or if you're dealing with more of a Smithfield type thing for pork. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of people don't quite realize those companies don't really own their own production areas. You know, they are predominantly operated by small producers or by so, contractors. Like Purdue. Or Here, Prestige. Right? Or Prestige. Yeah, that's yeah Ron Prestige, um, he contracts with growers in the area and they're farmers just like me. They just have commercial contracts. And the beauty of that for a small farmer is that you're guaranteed to be paid. And you're guaranteed to be paid a fair market value for your turkeys. If they don't get sick and die. Yeah, which, I mean, thankfully, they don't have a bad... um, They're pretty good at protecting them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they are... they're actually you know, extremely militant extremely, about people coming on mm-hmm. their property. And I've had friends of mine, you know, I over the years I've been able to meet a lot of these guys who, mm-hmm. who contract for Prestige. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not joking when I say a lot of them are just like me. They're, they want the best for the animals. Yeah. They want to raise the, the best product that they can for their market. Mm-hmm. And they get really frustrated if something comes through. And, yeah, I remember one of them was telling me um, – this was early on when I, when I was getting into it. And 
asking for advice. One guy was telling me there was one time he had a something happened with his watering system in one of his barns and it dropped down too early, too fast. And he wound up killing like 200 wow. of his turkeys, 200 of the veddies. And it was just, you know, and all I, he, he couldn't do anything about it. Right. It was too just late. An accident, mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had to go through with a bucket and he's just picking up dead birds and Golly. taking them out. That was before he had incinerators. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, yeah, he still had 20,000 birds that right. he was taking yeah, care of. But still. you just lost 200 birds. Yeah. It's kind of, you know. On the flip side, for me, when I lost that steer, that was the only steer I owned. It's a third yeah. of your herd. Yeah. Right. right? You know? yeah. And when I first got into breeding, you know, I lost one of my, um, when I learned about mineral deficiencies, uh, I learned that the hard way because I was not supplying enough mineral to my cattle. I didn't understand that. And I lost one of my, I had a red Angus um, heifer that I lost and she just went down. I didn't know enough at the time that was that was a very hard lesson learned but you know i got to learn it yeah so so even though the cattle are free you're basically um would you consider the free range well yeah you would call them pasture raised you call them free range range raised cattle is is extremely predominant in the united states yeah it's um that's where a majority of your even commercially produced feeder calves come from are from range raised um, herds. It's not so much uh, that everything's on a dry lot. The dry lot, is, you know, out in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, you know, those are predominantly purchased feeders from all over the country. They're mm. shipped out there. Um, and they're like finished there. Right? Yeah, they're finished there. Yeah. For, so for three months or four months, that's all they have on the lot is finishing those cows. You know, or if you get in young feeders, you know, and you're on a specific type growing program, then uh, you buy younger ones. You might take them to um, some other grazing property because it's cheaper to raise them that way. And then when they get to a certain size, you take them in and you finish them on lot. So, but again, that's a, a style, it's a specific difference, um, how things are, are done in that way. So, but for, for me, what I, what we have is, uh, we started on our 12 acres on the homestead and, uh, then I was able to utilize the 11 acres next to me for a little while. And then I, I was off of that property and I, was offered uh, a space in a property right up the road from me. Um, there's uh, over 100 acres. At the time, only about maybe 65, 70 acres were fenced. Wow. So since then, we've added another, you know, 25 or 30 acres. And uh, that's been pretty nice. Where's our cow right now? So he's out there. He's out there <laughs> in 100 acres, 100 mm-hmm. plus. Yeah. Living a good life. So awesome. Totally unaware our, of what's about to happen. There. They rotate between... <laughs> two primary pastures on that there are four pastures two pastures are being utilized by uh by one group and two are utilized by myself and a couple of guys oh, okay. so the um the front pasture is around 20 25 acres the back pasture is around 25 30 acres give or take you know and then we have another 15 or so acres to finish fencing and that'll be the entire property or the entire usable property hmm. so you guys looked into any like paddock shift yeah or yeah you're going to be doing that or you are doing that? Or? 
the way that the the land is set up does not lend itself well enough to that. Plus, it's a lease. Okay. So um, we have to be really considerate about what yeah. we spend our money on. And right now, fencing is the primary mm-hmm. goal. I upgraded um, watering systems this last year. That was a big, the big expense for this last. Uh, I we utilized uh, like three hundred gallon Rubbermaid stock tanks, and then we buried them a third away in the ground below the frost line. Brought a water line into the bottom, then bought Joby float valves, um, so which is an underwater valve. Mm-hmm. So instead of a float top float valve, and no way we have frostproof watering systems. And I didn't have to buy, you know, a five hundred dollar you know, heated, yeah, you know, <laughs> or even a if, yeah. even if it's electricity free <laughs> frostproof watering system, I didn't have to go through and set it up and. You know, there are inter-CS grants and different things that you can do, but it doesn't necessarily, you don't always get, you know, approved for what you specifically want. So that was the big thing that we did this last year. And uh, we still have a couple more tanks to install. What does your day-to-day look like? Because I'll tell you what, we have four dogs, two cats, what, 20, 15 chickens, 20 chickens, two pigs. And I'm like, <laughs> I got to get to work. <laughs> Shit, I haven't fed the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it's different because yours is your full-time job. Yeah. And ours is not. <laughs> but it's I'm a, just so hobby, curious. It's like serious. Like, we got to feed these animals. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like we can't forget, animals, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't feed the animals, they die. But I'm just genuinely yeah. curious. Like, what does your day-to-day look like a normal day for me do you have help yes my children oh okay that's a hey so the jobs are generally split up between the girls Uh, they rotate between um the chickens uh and i have automatic waters for the chickens Mm. so all i have to do is check make sure that the waters are fine and then we have roll away nesting boxes so they don't have to check eggs every day, but it's beneficial to check away, right. check them every day. Just to uh, not leave which, them sitting out there. Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend that. Otherwise you could have chickens that learn that they like to eat, eat their the own eggs. eggs. Right. Mm-hmm. Went through a whole stint of that a couple of years ago. That's that's very, tough to break. Very frustrating. Um, and uh, then you, you check your oyster shell, you check your grit and uh, then you fill up their feet. And that's pretty much it for the chicken. So I, one of my daughters will do that. The nesting boxes have um, removable pads that we mm-hmm. wash and sanitize and then bring a clean one in and drop that in. So that's uh, that rotates every week between my three oldest. And uh, then one of them always checks the horse water. That's their thing. And then another one has to check on the cats. And then uh, my youngest uh, is in charge of the pig's water in their wallow area to make sure that that always is moist enough for them. Mm-hmm. and they have enough water. I used to make sure that I had to feed buckets every day, but I have set up an automatic feeder for the pigs now. Because um, otherwise, they're just, they go around their paddock, and they yeah. they graze, and they dig, and that's Talking it. about the wallow, like to making sure that the yeah. dirt is wet enough and soft enough yeah. for them, 
We didn't think anything about that, but we conveniently had a leaky spigot. Yeah. (laughs) And it actually has been perfect for those pigs. Absolutely. And we learned that very quickly. We were like, well, this is what they're going to do. And they love this. And it's kind of actually. And they don't do it all the time. No, they don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing I've learned about my pigs or the pigs I've had in the past is they don't usually like to be very dirty. They Mm -hmm. don't mind being wet, but they don't want to be muddy. It's not that cartoon pig that's constantly covered in mud and. Jumping in it for joy. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's just not how it is. They, ours are more grazing yeah. pigs than yeah. the, just their breed. They're they're always looking for food on the ground, so they'll yeah. nose. It's they'll a foraging just, type pig. Yeah, foraging. Yeah. Yeah. And some pigs do that better than others. Same thing with cows. You have some breeds that are more you know, designed for grass than others, which is one reason why I'm looking into South Poles over Herefords. Okay. Um, when you look at some of the traditional... Heritage breeds like Angus, Charolais, um, Hereford, and uh, Santa Gertrudis. You, know, you see a lot of predominantly Angus or you know commercial blacks is another thing. Just call them more. You know there are lots of Angus crosses out there. Uh, in our area, it's predominantly commercial black, and then we there's a couple what are called Limflex herds. Those are limousine Angus. And then you've got uh, Brahmas that come in. So you'll see uh, Brahma Hereford crosses like F1s, or you'll see uh, Brahma Angus crosses, or Angus Charlet crosses called Smoky. There are a few Smoky um, herds around here. It just it depends really on what their main focus is, but those are your predominantly, they grow bigger. They mm-hmm. grow, they have more fat potential. So that's why they're so popular. Do you process cows or any kind of animals that people raise themselves? Uh, like, have I ever taken their animal mm-hmm. to the processor for them? Mm-hmm. That's right. Because you don't, you're not a processor. No, I am not a processor. Legally, you can process anything for your own personal consumption. Right. Anything. You cannot sell it, mm-hmm. but you can process it for yourself or for your family. Uh, If you go to a Department of Agriculture, like a state-inspected facility, you can sell within the state as long as it is labeled correctly. Otherwise, uh, I have customers in Georgia and I have customers in North Carolina. So I have to make sure I use a USDA facility and they have everything labeled very specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, you cannot sell across state lines. It's uh, it's a big no-no. Now, it doesn't mean that a customer can't come in too Mm -hmm your area and purchase from you and take it back. Right. But you can't take it out. You can't take it out. So, I uh, but you. I also have shipped, which is nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah. But hey, Cause you don't know what they're going to get on the other end. Well, it's uh, the customer, as long as they're willing to pay for shipping, I'm, I'm happy to ship. So it hasn't been as expensive as I thought it was going to be hmm. in the past. I, I shipped 75 pounds of sausage and, a bunch of bottles of hot sauce to a customer in Browleton, Georgia this oh. year. It's the biggest order I've ever done. It was insane. That's pretty neat. That was great. Is that for their own personal use or were yeah. they reselling it? Or no, what? he was doing that. It was for him and for people in his company. He was doing a big old cookout and he wanted oh, to give cool. some of it away as, you know, for customers and family. Cool. You know, as a kid that I knew in, <clears throat> um, in Macon. He nice. started his own renovation company and okay. it's like, heck yeah, man. That's yeah. So, I'm really proud of him. One thing I saw in, I'm part of like a backyard chicken group on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And um, 
one thing that I saw recently that somebody did that I thought was pretty clever. And I thought about us utilizing it for when we move all the animals to this back area. Yeah. Is um, <clears throat> those automatic deer feeders. Yeah. They sure. use those for their chickens. Mm-hmm. And uh, for their chicken feed. And then they don't have to, they just fill that joker up. And yeah. then, you know, however many, once a day, twice a day, whatever you set it to, yeah. it just, this spits out all that feed. And then it's done. And I yeah. was like, that would actually be <laughs> One of, you know, pretty I mean, freaking cool. <laughs> that's a that's a big thing, I think, for some small homesteaders or even small farmers that they don't consider how much utilizing something as simple as that it, it's not made for farming right. but you can make it work you can use yeah. it yeah. go for it <clears throat> try to make your life easier yeah. that is that is the whole philosophy of work smarter not harder There's that doesn't mean don't work hard mm-hmm. that just means don't use overexert your yourself you don't have to work harder to get the same amount of work right. done right so i personally enjoy i do there are moments uh, yeah feeding the animals i was talking about oh it's such a hassle there are moments where Um, i really do love it she's got a different schedule than me so i can i come home from work he has and and i'll kick my my fire boots (laughs) off and put my shit kickers on and go out and take my time and feed the chickens and check on them feed the pigs mess with them whereas i am either doing it before I'm going to work or after I get home from right. work. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, so for me, <laughs> to answer the, the question, I don't always have um, a set crazy schedule. There's always something to do. Yeah. There's no such thing as a farm where the list is done. Right. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. There's, you know, I have, you know, at least 10 projects that I could go home and work on at the same time. Because mm-hmm. that's just how it is. But I wake up. And I typically take my girls to school and then I come home or I go into town. I, if I have deliveries set up and I go do that or I do a feed run or whatever, I just, mm-hmm. you, you do what it has to be done. Yeah. You know, your baseline, the, that never shifts. You know, that's, you get the bare minimum done, which can often take all day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're done, it's like, did I do anything today? <laughs> right. What day is it? Is it yeah. Tuesday? Well, like my day was yeah. wake up at 4.15 to run a call in right. the fire department and then stay awake doing reports all day, hit the road at 6, mm-hmm. go to Casey for my class, test, do my tests and all for my class. Then I went straight from Casey to have lunch with Caitlin. Then from when I got back from lunch, it, all day was on the property doing stuff outside with yeah. the animals until yeah. uh, Mike got here. Yeah. And... Uh, it's like that's the hustle. Yeah. I have that's how it no, works. There was no point at time where I was like, "Man, this is a pain in the ass." Yeah, just driving an hour and a half. I was like, oh, "That was the worst part of the whole thing." <laughs> well, and then you know, for me, if if I throw in haying season, you know, that's a whole another. Yeah, that line. changes. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're a slave to do. Yeah, mm. sometimes you have to wait until the dew dries off, and sometimes that not until ten thirty or eleven o'clock right. in the morning. And then you get to go cut. And if I have to pick up kids at 2.45. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, in the just... evenings, like, I'll be like, oh, I need to go out there and feed and water the pigs. I'm going to wait till dusk because 
right at dusk, the chickens have put themselves up, There's and I don't, I don't have it's because <laughs> right. of the rooster. And you don't have to worry about. I don't it. have to. They're watch, not coming back. Right. Out. I don't have to watch my back with that rooster, and I can deal with the pigs, and it's just yeah. so much easier than having to do all that while I'm carrying a broom or a shovel right. or something. Yeah. So you can be a little strategic about it, but absolutely. Um, give us the basic rundown. Basically what you've already given Matt and me at the farmer's market, but for everybody listening, like the basic rundown of how the meat process works and what are the options and what are they getting for their money if they go this route. So typically, um, using whole number of terms, you know, if you have uh, the cow in the end hangs at a, a thousand pounds. Because uh, everything is based off of hanging weight. I charge hanging weight prices. That's fat, meat, and bones. That's right. That that does not include skin, head, guts, blood. All of that is – you don't pay for that. That's right. just gone. Unless you want the organs, right? You will get – certain organs you'll get because they are edible. The edible ofo will come back to you because the processor I use um, for a while, people would be like, well, I don't want the liver. I don't want the heart. I don't want the kidneys, whatever. And he'd be like, fine. So he wouldn't put him in there and be like, well, where's my, you know, and oh he's like, oh, God, people, seriously. And so he had to help. He's like, if you don't you want, want it, it you, you don't deal want with it, it, whatever. Yeah. He's putting that in your box. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, and I use Williamsburg packing down in King Street, South Carolina, uh, Seth Harvin. Um, he's been my butcher uh, since the, the day one. I've used uh, a couple other processors over the years out of necessity, uh, but I have a, a long-lasting relationship with Seth, and I, I respect what he does a lot. So it's a certified human kill facility, which is important to a lot of customers. It's also very important to me because they have a specific process that they have to follow. All the pigs are put to sleep first with CO2 to where when they slaughter them, it's quiet, it's calm. They don't have a chaotic kill floor adrenaline mm-hmm. yeah and it's just it's better for the pig it's better for the workers mm-hmm. yeah you know, I and bet. the the cows i think they used to do piston um kill but i think they're they're back to like a rifle kill like a 22 bullet kill um but it's very very quick it's mm-hmm. efficient uh so uh from that process you know once they take the hide and they cut off the head and you know, if you've ordered the beef cheeks, remove the cheeks and, you know, they'll cut it in half. They'll hang, you know, they'll see what your carcass weighs. If that mm-hmm. weighs a thousand pounds during your hanging process, you can hang, you know, typically with pasture-raised beef, you don't want to hang too long because the pasture flavor kind of intensifies, mm-hmm. especially in the fat. It becomes a little strong yeah. and not everyone likes that. Mm-hmm. It's a it is a, I try to explain to any of my potential customers that pasture-raised beef, it's just not for everyone, especially if you were raised solely on commodity beef. Right. right. You know, it's a much milder beef. The fat is typically um, very mild, almost a little sweet. Mm-hmm. It's just a very easygoing flavor. Pastured beef has a lot more character to it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more depth of flavor. And if you age it too long, in my opinion, it can get a little gamey. So that depends on cow to cow. I've had some that were very strong grass flavor and others that came out of the same field that were much more mild. So like people who hunt and eat deer, they have no problem with grass-fed, pasture-raised beef. 
and they have an easier adjustment. They have an yes. easier adjustment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So somebody who grew up normal yeah. household getting beef from the grocery store, right. then you eat one, you're gonna be like, "This meat's rotten," or they're like, "There's just something off about yeah. this." Yeah. And I've had cer- certain customers. I had one uh, one family that purchased beef from me, and um, they were like, you know. What is the the deal? Like we like the steaks, but we don't like the ground. We mm-hmm. don't like the the stew, and I wound up buying all the ground back from them because I had other customers that would take the ground. You know, it wasn't a big deal, and uh, but you know, and that was early on as well. I've learned how to explain how to uh, how to really you know knock it down for the customer. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, because otherwise, I mean, I don't want anyone to be completely sidelined by like, what is this flavor? Right. Why does it taste like this? I'm like, right. well, this is what beef just tastes like when and it's small production and it's grown in a field. And they're yeah. like, oh, I'm not buying from him. Yeah, it, and it's that's fine. You know, I yeah. I don't want you to be unhappy with the end result. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to explain it as well as I can. So, but anyway, so you take that thousand pound hanging weight, and after it hangs you know, say for seven days after you start trimming it out, you can usually assume, um, like a rough, maybe 60% loss with bone, depending Mm -hmm. on bone density and how heavily framed that cow is. So off of, you know, you're going to see, you know, roughly 200 pounds of meat, to 280 mm-hmm. off of a thousand pound carcass give or take so you're looking which at sounds like to such a total loss but but it's 280 still, pounds of meat is a lot, it's still of, meat. A lot of meat yeah um now of course if you get a lot of bone back like if you make a lot of bone broth or if you a lot of a lot of stock we should definitely then bone broth. the more you get back the more your average spreads out mm-hmm. i was so, gonna ask that if people want the marrow or sure yeah and stuff. you can have those you can have it cut in a lot of different ways. You can have them split. You can have them um, just cut in little rings um, if you're doing marrow bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, you have your four primals. You have your front primals and your rear primals. And you from the chuck, which is your front shoulder, um, you can have uh, chuck steaks. You can have your roast cut. There are um, different plate steaks that are around there that they can cut off. In between the two um, halves is a hanger steak. There's only one of those per cow, but you can still get that off. It's an interesting little cut. Uh, you have your flank steak. You have your skirt steak. You know, there's only one of those on each side. Um, and, of course, you have your primary loin. So you have your, your rib loin, your strip loin, your tender loin, sirloin. And you can decide how you want those cut, whether you want to leave them whole, whether you want to have, you know, half-inch cut steaks, like skinny steaks, thin steaks, or if you want... Up to an inch and a half or a two inch steak. It's just completely customizable yeah, meat. Whatever you want to do. Tomahawk steaks. Yeah, you yeah. want to do a tomahawk ribeye. Have you know? ever had anybody just okay ground me an entire cow? Yeah. Wow. I have fully ground. I've had three cows. Wow. Four cows that we have fully 100% ground. That's crazy. Yeah. I bet the butcher was crying when he was doing that. No, actually, like when you do so a full much. grind, that means that all you do is trim easy. and grind. It's probably oh, yeah, so sure. easy, easy for, for him. But, yeah. you know, if you're a meat aficionado, like you enjoy a steak, you'd be yeah. like, 
I oh can't believe God. that they're grinding. I'm putting filet yeah. mignon in a grinder for <laughs> Well, some of them, you know, for the meat cutter down there, his name's Matt. Um, you Whatever know, makes his life easier, he's good. He doesn't care. Whatever <laughs> yeah. makes the customer it's happy the cust- is the customer's that's what choice, he, he yeah. wants. Now, there are times, because my cows aren't usually very fatty, right. you know, being raised out on pasture, they're mm-hmm. not fat cows. He'll call me and be like, all right, Ian. And I was like, we, you've got to start feeding your cows more. I was like, no, I am not. <laughs> like, he's like, you know my program. I, I, he knows what I do. Right. You know, he's just like, oh, your round beef is going to be too lean. It's like, well, what is it at right now? It's like, it's barely hitting 90, 10. It's like, that's fine. But to me, that's, to me, that's appealing. Yeah. Uh, I like 80, 20 personally, but. See, and I'm, I'm like so yeah. happy I to eat, have a I leaner. eat all the fat yeah. on my plate. 80, 20, she, 85, 15 is about as lean as I like to go. Mm-hmm. I did have a couple cows that were like 95, 5, mm-hmm. where I've processed. There was one Dang. bull that it's I like processed bison. that was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, 97, 3. He was Ooh. super lean, but he was a big dude. Yeah. He was a big, mm-hmm. big boy. Um. I think he hung at almost 800 pounds. Wow. You know, that was a big cow. Now, if you have, and I say those numbers because hanging at 700 pounds, that is a that is a big carcass. Hanging at 1,000 pounds, that is a big carcass. Huge, yeah. So, you know, from that breakdown, you know, we sell our beef for 350 hanging pound, mm-hmm. you know, and your processing is going to be roughly a dollar a pound. Off of that, you have a, a standard kill fee, which I believe for beef right now is like $85. And then there's a $20 hide fee. So they used to have a company that came and purchased all their hides. And that has since stopped the supply. I guess people just aren't buying hides anymore the way they used to. So Can, can we get the hide if yeah, we want? Yeah, you can take the hide and they'll take the $20 fee off. I know I you're t- going to do that. Yeah, because yeah, we can. Here's what's so funny curtain. is I feel like there's a ton of people out there who are probably thinking there's no way I can do this. I can't go buy a cow. I can't go buy half a cow. When you break down the cost like you're talking about, yeah, you can go to Food Lion or IGA or wherever and you can get a tube of a one pound tube of 80-20 ground beef. You're going to pay $7 for that. Yeah. For that one pound. You know, well, independent, you know, yeah, on where so the market is. It's like yeah, absolutely fluctuates. It this is totally but price. Also, the weight. If you like, couple. you said like two hundred eighty pounds. Add up how, how much beef you eat in a year. Right. It doesn't right. come close to two hundred eighty pounds. I'm probably pretty sure. And that's yeah. also and it depends. It really yeah. depends on your personal consumption. It depends yeah. on what you really want. want. Yeah. And that's also why when it comes to the cost of it, you have people put down a down payment. Yes. Because they're choosing what they want and they're choosing how much they want, half a cow, full cow, but you don't know what that cow is going to weigh. No. And it's it's difficult to anticipate what to, in, you know, you're like, well, so in one of my rounds of beef, I, I brought in four steers and one of them was much shorter than the three other ones. Mm-hmm. And out of like the one that was the biggest, I, he weighed the most. But the two that were bigger than the shorter one actually hung almost 200 pounds less than the little guy did. Hmm. And he just had a denser carcass. Yeah. He had right. more meat on his little body. Yeah. It didn't look like he was going to weigh more, but he did. Well, was it all meat or was it – I mean, bone density. bone density too. I mean, no, there's, there's he had bigger steak cuts. He had hmm. bigger loins. Wow. Um, his strip loin and his rib loin were – a good 20% larger than those other two cows that hmm. were, that looked like they were bigger yeah. than him. 
So And is it only the steers? No, I I've It's all it's Yeah. We've processed bulls, we've processed steers, we've processed heifers and heifers, I cows. It. You know, it just yeah. Steers are more consistent typically with fat to That's lean what ratio. Most of the grocery store meat is, right? Steers. Predominantly, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've had you know, I've eaten all of it. Mm-hmm. It's I wouldn't say one is inherently better than the other. I've had some excellent you know, I said, there bull can't meat. be that much difference, yeah. really. It, you know, there's some subtleties. Some I would imagine bull meat would be tougher a little bit. Or Not necessarily. Gamier, no. maybe, or what? No, usually it's just leaner. Because, like, dough leaner tastes better. Dough usually tastes better than a buck. Right. Deer. Well, then you look at, like, right. hogs. I mean, a, a male hog compared to a sow. I mean, it's a big difference in I flavor. I if it has to do with, like, the weight to testosterone level or the hormone um, level. Usually of it has more to do with hormones yeah. than it does with anything. So, but, again, it, it typically a lot of that's in the fat. It's not in the lean. Yeah. So. Yeah, because that's yeah. where, I mean, that, I mean, it just that's totally makes sense biologically. Is. That's where. Yeah. Yeah. was pretty. Interesting. Um, so, you. um Feed wise, mm-hmm. what sort of supplemental feed would you give? So for the beef, we make sure to give them as much hay in the wintertime as they can eat. Uh, I'd rather waste hay on the ground than not have enough. You hay. get those big rolls of hay. Yeah, that's what we we produce. Them out there and they eat off of yeah. It. So uh, this last year, I think we produced four hundred round bales. It's somewhere between four. And Do you use them all or you sell them? No, we sell them and, and we use them. And uh, that's really ramped up this last year, um, which is good. It, it helps keep production costs a little oh, bit lower. Yeah. Um, and then I go to a mill and I have my feed mixed. So depending on what he has available, like sometimes he has peanut meal, which I really like. The cows really like that. It's a wonderful fat source. It's a great protein source. Um, but... You know, we'll, we'll supplement with that. We'll supplement with uh, cottonseed or cottonseed meal. I'll do um, wheat sometimes, oats sometimes, hmm. um, sorghum, you know, corn, uh, soybean, whole pellets. Have you noticed any health issues depending on what sort of feed? Or- Not necessarily. It's more of maybe a, a finished flavor difference. And I see that more with pigs than I do yeah. with the uh with the cows so that's um, what you were talking about in the last mm-hmm. podcast yeah. <clears throat> pigs finished with what did you say acorns yeah. yeah so if you're comparing something like to the iberico mm-hmm. out in um spain or the ibericos that have been raised in um texas or there's another herd of them in georgia then you know some of that is it's a specific type of acorn yeah. where it's as low, it's not a bitter acorn, so it creates a sweet meat. It's almost like a, a pecan kind of acorn. Which is what I was thinking about. Huh. Yeah, is doing when you, yeah. pecan out here. That's um, there are actually pecan finished pigs out okay. there. That's that is. I don't know if that had been done thing. yet or. Yeah, it's and it's good. It's very good. Yeah. Nut finished meat is is really nice. You have to be careful with legumes mm-hmm. uh, because it'll soften the fat a little bit too much. So I I hmm. like to feed peanut to the pigs especially mm. if you get like a high oleic acid peanut there's a guy down in uh oh what was it hemingway 
Horatio that was raising pigs, and he and I got to talking about it. That was uh, Edward Fort, I think it was his name. And he was talking about raising, feeding all these peanuts, and it was a specific type of peanut, mm-hmm. making sure it was high in, you know, this amino acid. And it was supposed to be really good for the production and didn't soften the fat so much. Hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know that a peanut is not actually a nut. No, it's a legume. It's a legume, a and bean. It's, it's a bean. soil... Um, Nuts yeah. grow on trees. Beans grow on trees. Yeah, you know, and like uh, like pecans are technically like not nuts as well, but they're mm-hmm. nuts. You know, whatever. But <laughs> they're delicious. Yeah. Um, but they all produce good tasting pork, uh, and the peanuts are digestible for the cattle. And ruminant animals have a easier time digesting a lot of things that other animals can't digest as well. Just like pigs can digest certain things that mm-hmm. cows can't digest. Huh. A good friend of mine, his dad worked for Monsanto yeah. in St. Louis area, and his whole job was to design something that would prevent cattle from um, getting metals into their lower digest lower digestive tract. So he came up with these these uh, pill shaped magnets. Mm-hmm. That they would feed. I was about to ask if he was the one that helped develop that. Yeah, yeah, and they stuff it down thing. in their stomach, and it would yeah. magnetize. It, would it goes into the first them. chamber. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just sits there. Yep. Yeah, and he had a bunch of them at home. He's like, hey, look at you know. Yeah, they were like pretty strong magnets. Yeah, cool magnets. You can buy them at Tractor Supply. Yeah, yeah, but the, he, that was his yeah. job to like come up with a better version of that or yeah. something cheaper or whatever that was he his whole life he's yeah <laughs> working on that shit that's pretty fascinating yeah so you know monsanto's the devil yeah. but yeah certain aspects of them are worse than others <laughs> yeah. yeah there's good people that work there yeah that they just are working there coming up with great stuff i mean without factory farming no. half the people on this earth would probably die yeah it's <laughs> it's there's definitely there's something to be said about the brilliance of CAFO farming, mm-hmm. of large-scale farming. The fact that it works at all. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you see one, yeah. I mean, it's... It is spectacular. It may not always be the most ethical thing. No. Right. But it is. Uh, it has become a necessity because the general public demands cheap food. Mm-hmm. And the only way to raise cheap food is by large-scale farming. Right. Have you... Heard in studies that say that we have about 50 to 60 more harvests worth of nutrients in our soil. That number so, seems awfully low. That's like 60 years. That's like We've 60 been years. abusing our planet for yeah. quite some yeah. time now. So I've heard some reports that are worse than that and yeah. some that, you know, try to debunk that. Um, I think if you're if you're doing like any kind of regenerative like paddock shift, I mean you're gonna yeah. you're gonna build all that back. But up. factory yeah. farms, mob grazing, you know, yeah. helps yeah. going. You know, and that's one thing that we'd really like to do as soon as we can afford to do more mm-hmm. cross fencing. Mm-hmm. Um, the wagon wheel yeah. um, grazing yeah. system. Uh, I know a couple uh, hog farmers you know, in Iowa. That's what they do. They have that's these was in Iowa. you know <laughs> these big. Wagon wheel systems, they've got watering systems, they'll grow fodder, like uh, barley fodder, and they're throwing all this fresh sprouted, mm-hmm. you know, barley grain, and then they're on dirt, essentially, and it just, they have really healthy, great tasting pigs. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's sustainable. Yeah. They can do it forever. It's just, uh, it's but a like, great way to keep things very focused. Back in Missouri, where they would have 
a soybean field, like a thousand acres of soybean mm-hmm. and a thousand acres of corn. Yeah. And then the next year they'd have an empty field. Right. And let then that one rest. A thousand acres of soy. Mm-hmm. And then the next year they'd have corn and an empty field. And then right. it was, you know, they would let the soil rest, but still that's not enough. Right. That well, that's rest. where peanuts that's... come into play or any or, kind of um, nitrogen fixer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain. Um, One of my neighbors, um, <laughs> or uh, was it certain sunflowers help absorb different? Yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of bioaccumulators, and, and yeah. yeah, there's there are different ways to help fix your soil. It's kind of like you can um, make sure to uh, you can fix bad soil. Yep, you know, but not on a terror you like could a, you, you could do you that can. you, you could have to but just, it, have it to takes a lot of focused not, effort yeah yeah you're not have to deal with some loss so, you can't do it the way we do traditional farming now it's some with constant uh, yeah. inputs of chemicals and but we don't have the dust bowl shit happening no like back no. in well, the day I mean, no-till farming is becoming more prevalent yeah i went to a um when i went to a, a pasture class and we talked about Making sure, you know, because that was the thing. If you're going to be working on a new pasture, was to dig it up and mm-hmm. drag it and get it all ready. Well, that's not the recommended way mm-hmm. anymore entirely. It depends on what you're doing. Uh, and they're recommended bringing in a no-till drill, especially if you didn't have anything that you had to heavily augment or flatten out. You just drilled in. You would spray ton- some type of herbicide to kill what was there. Leave that. And then just drill right on top of it to plant your next crop. Hmm. That was it. And because uh, they didn't want you to break down your soil structure. Upset the layers yeah. of the... Yeah, that, I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. stratified. And it, right. It's, it's, doing what it's it supposed does to that do. naturally. And the plants are going to go get what they need yeah. to get. It from, makes a difference. Yeah. If you go into some of the farms and you kick up the soil... Sometimes the soil doesn't smell like anything. It doesn't smell like soil. It just just smells like dust. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you know that the microbes in the soil have really died. You know, it's. Well, you notice like in our garden, what we did there, there's cardboard, chicken scratch. You want all sorts of, you know, you want your greens and your browns and then cover it with good soil and mulch heavily and you're fine. Horse manure. We got everything in there. Yeah. So dog piss probably. Did I answer your question fully on the processing and all that? I feel like I skipped something. Packaging? No, I think you pretty much did. Okay. Ultimately I want people no, to know. Like, yeah. It's fine. Sorry. There's a lot of that that happens with the podcast, but that yeah. it's very organic. But um ultimately I want people to know how to get a hold of you. So aside from finding you at the farmers market. So um you can look me up on Facebook. The Wilcox Family Farm. And uh, I don't have a website. I think I've bought three domains over the years, and I have done absolutely nothing <laughs> with them. I am not a website It's a lot designer. to keep up with. I just yeah. I just don't. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I can't do it. I, like I set up an Instagram account, and I didn't do anything with that. <laughs> I just, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm in that. I was, you know, I was born in 84 to a family that, you know, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like, 18 years old, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand the whole social media stuff. I do what I can, which is sounds funny for me to say being Mm -hmm. a 37 year old, but I just don't, I'm like, well, how does this make such a big, I don't want to, 
why do I need to post this on Instagram? But I know <laughs> it's supposed to help. Yeah. So, but I have a cell phone until 2005. Yeah, I'm slowly learning. I'm getting better. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, Facebook is the best place because that's where I post what I have when I have it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I go from there. So, yeah. so you go to the, the farmers market in Camden. You do you go anywhere else? Farmers market in Camden. I deliver direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is actually how I started. I've only been going to the farmer's market for uh, a season. Okay. This is my second season mm-hmm. at the farmer's market. Uh, up until now, I would take orders and then I would deliver. Or I will meet customers in town and mm-hmm. that's it. We need so. a winter farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go I'm sure it's around. been talked about. We could go year In South Carolina, you could do year-round. The season is so long. I'm yeah. almost surprised they don't. It goes well, there's winter the greens that you can yeah. grow. It goes all the way to November. Stuff. Yeah, all the way into November. And if you have a mild beginning of the winter, then it will go into December. Yeah. So. But ultimately, yeah, they can catch you at the farmer's market, Wilcox Family Farm. That's right. And you sell your eggs and sausage and hot do- uh, hot sauce. I almost yeah, said hot dogs hot after sauce. I said sausage. <laughs> sausage and hot sauce and different kinds of meat. I believe you usually have... That's right. Well. I'll try to have fresh cut pork mm-hmm. as often as I can. I pretty much always have some kind of sausage. Um, like large links, I, you know, my biggest sellers are jalapeno cheddar and garlic rosemary, but I also have a hot Italian, sweet Italian, ghost pepper. I have, um, which is one of my newest flavors is a Manchester link. It's a British banger. Mm. Um, what about blood so. sausage? You ever tried that? Um, I have tried it as far as consuming it. I have never tried making it. I don't think it would be a big market for it. No, not really. No. <laughs> not a lot um, of Eastern Europeans here in but, Camden. <laughs> you know, I do a hot, mild, medium, maple sage, maple. I've done a, or, or regular sage, like mild sage. I've done hot sage. Um, you know, beef sausage. I do a, a Texas hot link. Um, I love those Texas done, uh, I really like beef sausage. I yeah. love some beef sausage. And pasteurized beef sausage. That is a, it's a, just different. And I, mm. I, it smokes really nicely. It grills well. Was that it's your really sausage good. at Rodney's? The, um, what was that sandwich you had? The devil? The, the demon? The demon. Yeah. That was your sausage? That was the jalapeno cheese sausage. That was Man. mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because that was, that was a fun one, too. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy yeah. sandwich, but dude, yeah. it's so good. So we had the bulldog, we had the demon, and the knight. So all the, the three big high schools. That's fun. God, man, those are some good sandwiches. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So and yeah, I will do custom flavors for customers if That's it's so cool. ordered. I've had customers in the past that have sensitivities to certain spices, or they're sensitive to salt, or sensitive to sugars, or. Mm-hmm. Whatever, and, and we can adjust things as cool. need be. That's awesome. So, and I do custom bacon. So, yeah, that's always fun too. Can you do? I'm going to sound like the craziest crazy person. Okay. Yeah, try me. So, you know how there's bacon that's like basically half meat, half fat, the way that it's sliced and cut? Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Then there's like fat back, mm-hmm. which is sliced the same, but it's just the fat right that off of the is there back. a way to do bacon that feels and tastes like bacon that's all meat but doesn't go into canadian bacon yes so like country ham. this is so, my man um, i do not like canadian bacon so canadian bacon is cured loin yeah it is um 
and it's fully trimmed. Mm-hmm. So typically it has very little fat and then it's, it's cured and it's not always cured the same way that bacon is cured with those flavor profiles. And then it's lightly smoked and sliced. Um, which is why it doesn't taste like bacon because it's not pork belly. Right. And then you have something called buckboard bacon, which is cut off of the shoulder, off of the Boston butt. And um, so you would debone the shoulder and open it up, spread your cure out, depending on what you do. Your baseline cure is typically going to be sugar and salt mm-hmm. or brown sugar and salt, or you can do, you know, you can add pepper, you can maple, add all, you can do maple fancy. syrup, you yeah. can, you know, whatever. Uh, and for your nitrate, um, I like to use uh, celery juice powder. Um, that is not as accurate as, as uh, like prog powder, cure number one, cure number two. Pink salt, you have to be, which is not the same. I say that Himalayan pink, pink salt. No, 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 no. <laughs> quite different. Because the, your pink salt, your sodium nitrates, stabilize the meat and they don't add saltiness to the meat they just oh, protect it okay. from going bad gotcha. from spoilage it's like salting like how they used to preserve yeah, meat without salt gotcha so it you use that with salt because you want the salt flavor in there sure but if it's all salt which will also cure it it'll just be, be so s- intense super salty <laughs> which yeah. is like can you know country ham yes yeah, that's oh it's the worst sluggy and well I mean, yeah. I, see, it. I can't. To me, it's too salty. I it can't is. enjoy it. It's very intense. It's way too salty. <laughs> it's yeah. That's so, why so it's salty. so delicious and so <laughs> bad for you. It's so good. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> we really found each other. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'll eat uh, it. If, I mean, if, yeah. oh, I'll eat anything if I'm hungry. If I'm hungry but, enough, I'll eat it. But I'm I'm not like, man, I could really use I'm a, not country, ham a biscuit. country ham biscuit from Bojangles. <laughs> well, country ham at Bojangles is. <laughs> Country ham, yeah. but compared to some country hams, that's like a very watered down country ham. It's a mild country ham. Yikes! Yeah, you go up to like uh, Daniel Boone Inn, yeah, up in um, Boone, mm-hmm. North Carolina. People might as well just order a salt lick. That the country ham that they serve at that restaurant in the inn, that's that's some pretty legit stuff. Where you go to like <laughs> Benton's, get Benton's country ham out of Tennessee. Oh, man, that is special. So, so you're telling me I can have pork bacon that is all meat and a lot less More, fat. A lot less fat, yes. And sometimes that depends on the pig. You'll have certain bellies that just are not as fatty. Yeah. You know, it just depends. Mm-hmm. And But buckboard bacon, shoulder bacon, is it just does not have as much fat. It's much more lean. So, But yeah, since it isn't belly and it doesn't, it's not the striations of meat and fat it's it's right. a little different and you, yeah i mean i do know do at the end of the day i'm talking about bacon by nature yeah. you're talking about making bacon be... from different cuts right yeah yeah i'd say my my bacon is the the pieces and ends mm-hmm. the, the bag of pieces and ends and every once in a while you get a good solid looking bacon piece in there yeah but mostly it's just it's just a fat meat. Yeah, trim cuts. <laughs> it's so dirt cheap and yeah. we eat so much bacon. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Well, that's the best thing for yeah. seasoned meat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Throw it in a pan, render it down a little bit, yeah. throw your greens in there, potatoes and sausage and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of broth. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do that down for a little we while. Lot. You got it. That that's a good stew right there. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Well, thank you. 
That, I feel like we went in like every direction possible. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys about like stuff you were doing too, and I completely yeah. I mean, we can't. Let, let's do it before we leave. Let's like we always every homestead episode we do a homestead update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, where we just kind of catch everybody up to the little bit that we do. The yeah. only thing that I can think of that's changed is, um, you know, we had our rooster and our girls out there. That are a year old. We got them last year. And we got 12 new babies this year. But they're kind of... They're into that little adolescent... They're shy. Age and and size. But just trying to think about... It's time to start incorporating them. We got to keep them separate. Because those full-grown hens will kill them. But... Because they are still significantly smaller. But I still want them to be around each other. So we stuck them outside. Yeah. Like you saw in the... um, in our little dog pen mm-hmm. yeah. is what it is. And so they're all outside together now, and the hens and the rooster can get right up what are the, uh, to them I on the fence. See. What, are the, what do the pigs have to say about that? They were super curious, man, yeah. at first. They were, they were well, seriously Well, I mean, about like right now, because... You got chickens in there. Oh, oh they, they wanted they're to go sleeping in. underneath. They mm-hmm. they are used to going in that yeah. that dog pen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I was out there earlier, they were right next to the pen. Oh. Yeah. Laying down the ground? No, just, just kind of cruising around. They'll sleep under the bushes next to the okay. chicken coop. I was going to say, they got to kick the chickens out because <laughs> the chickens were in there. <laughs> they ain't tough enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the pigs are getting a lot less shy. They used to be so skittish and not come anywhere near us and be spooked really, really easy. And now if I go outside and they see me, the second they see me, they come running to me. Um, And they are unfortunately adorable. (laughs) Our plan is to still eat them one day, but... um, We're going to take them to that um, humane kill... Yeah. Just yeah. drop them off. Yeah. Go to, you're going on a little field trip. Um, <laughs> and then pick up our But meat. they're so funny to watch yeah. and observe because they, you know, these two are sisters and they, they're, like twins. they're basically they're like, like twins. They're two peas in the pod. One of them's a little bit more bold and brave than the other. Yeah. And there's always like that one leader and the one that's kind of following along. And, um, but yeah, they're, they'll come right up to you now. They won't let you pet them yet. Yeah. But um, that day will come. That day will come. Yeah. But for Probably now, next week. but they are yeah. walking right up to us and, and sniffing around. And we don't have any issues with the pigs and the dogs anymore. That was an issue at first. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the we dogs are. The, the dog and the rooster. Yeah. A Tiger came really <laughs> close to killing the rooster the other day. I put that video on Facebook because it was just so fun. I was just. Taking a nice video for Matt, I was going to share with him, and then it turned up into an "oh crap" moment when the rooster um, spurred Tiger, just pushed him too far, and yeah, was like, Tiger right. was like, "Nope, I'm <laughs> done with this." Done. And he came like, really it's close. Not funny to anymore, man. Yeah, anymore. Yeah. He came really close to killing that rooster, but yeah. he didn't. If he was like five years younger, that rooster would be. <laughs> yeah, so Tiger's dead. blind and deaf, and oh man. But it'll still bite your head off. That's right. <laughs> um, what else? Is there anything else that's new for the homestead? Nope. We got five more tons of dirt. 
coming for the raised beds. Nice. I got three tons the yeah. first time, and it was not even near close enough to get enough in that big ass raised bed. We've so got um, next week. All our plants are started and ready to go. Good. Um, in the raised beds, we got a control um, burn. We're gonna do this week. Yeah. Coming. Yeah. Um, but not big. Two three acres. Um, and then we'll start putting the fence up. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start really cleaning that pool out in earnest. Not that it's really all that bad right now anyways, but yeah. I could give it care a, less about that pool. Give it a good scrub <laughs> down. and We, we want to do the thing too. We want to divide the, the little, the wooded pasture. We have talked about doing that and well, rotating. I want to divide it. Eventually when we get more in, we're going to mm-hmm. divide it into fours and rotate them around. The Chickens, kind of pigs, goats, and yeah. one just scale. sitting and just rotate them through. But... Um, but that's it. That's pretty much it for our little half-assed homestead. We've it's, talked about aquaponics yeah. for a year and a half and have not done <laughs> no. one single thing to do our aquaponics. Pretty but cool. We want to try to get that going for yeah. over the winter. Like it's this just summer, kind of trial we'll get and error and, and some fish. And yeah. Figuring out what we want to try our hand at. One, uh, one tip on introducing chickens to each other. Yes. We, had, uh, we bought hens from an older guy one time and... We we're like, well, what do we do? You do it you at know? night. Is that what so, you do? Yeah, do it mm-hmm. at night, late at night. Mm-hmm. And if you have a lot that you're trying to introduce to each other at a time, like do part of them at one night, mm-hmm. do part of them another night. Because when they wake up, it's like, oh, hey, you know, I, I guess you've been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and then that's it. <laughs> if like, we did that, we wow. would have just had to wait till they were full grown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which maybe we should have, but. Nah. Whatever. They needed to get out of the garage. Making a mess. But thanks for stopping by. Yes, thank yeah. you so thank much. You this was so much fun. I appreciate you having me. I hope I haven't been too long-winded. No, no not so. at all. We usually all. do super long podcasts anyway. Yeah. yeah. Talking about aliens and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you on again. Yeah, this was fun. Um, if we didn't totally scare you off. <laughs> yeah, well, time will tell. You know. <laughs> Welcome back at any time. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Thanks again. Looking and that, I don't have a send-off. So. Don't be afraid to be half-assed. <laughs> yeah, that's you, what it was. Everyone starts half-assed. It's okay. Don't be scared. Until you start, you can't move forward. There you go. I like it. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Just get lost Leave this one horse town Like two rebels without a cause I've got people in Boston Ain't your daddy still in Des Moines We can pack up tomorrow Tonight let's flip a coin Heads Carolina Tails California Somewhere
Before 